They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. Matthew, I got a question for you. Isn't All right. an anti-lad just a grown-up? <sighs> hey, I'm here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Two drink minimum. You're going to need those drinks because I've seen the rest of my set. <laughs> Tip your waitress. Superboy number 204. The Legionnaire Nobody Remembered. Published September-October 1974. Written by Gary Bates with art by Mike Grell. Synopsis. Can a legionnaire who never was change the course of history? Okay, where are we at here? Oops, uh, my pages went away. There they are. We are at Superboy Super number 204. Are we really at 204 issues we of Superboy? Well, sort of. And you also have to remember that the cover still, uh, the cover currently says Superboy starring the Legion of Superheroes, but Not it's still the 1949 longer. Superboy. Not too much longer. But I do have a question, though. Now, mm -hmm. this is an honest question. This isn't me trying to poke fun or make fun of anything. Sure it is. But do you think that Superman slash Superboy, and I would think maybe Superman maybe more so than Superboy, but do you think that Superboy is really that important that people would be studying him over, what is it, like 10,000 years in the future in the 75th century, 40, 45,000, 5,000 years in the future? I, I mean, I know that we study... King Tut today, and we study Cleopatra, and we study a bunch of dead Greek people. Mm -hmm. But Superboy in a time and place where superpower beings are a dime a dozen, especially in the future where you maybe don't feel as much of Superboy's impact as much as you would feel the Legion of Superheroes impact. I really question this kid's homework in the 75th century, where he is studying Superboy as a homework assignment. You're looking at it uh, from a contextual point of view. You have to look at this metatextually. Superman is the source, the origin of the DC universe. And this is, this is a story that takes place a full thousand years after Superboy was first famous. If you look at what, what happened a thousand years ago, in the year 1020, who would have been know, a major Charlemagne, player? Isn't Charlemagne running around? Maybe King Arthur? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know anything about the 11th century. I think the 11th century is about the point where they codified uh, the legends of the death of Arthur. And I think that a French guy added Lancelot around that time. And we still talk about King Arthur. And there are still references to King Arthur as a legendary leader. And there's still pop culture about King Arthur. And there are still things called Excalibur. Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess I can. I guess I can see that. But I guess I can see that. But I don't know. It just it, seems like. 10,000 years from now or 6,000 years from now, I don't know what we'd be studying. I, 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 don't, I don't even think that people like current presidential administrations, I don't think would be studied 5,000 years from now. I don't think that people like Bill Gates and Elon Musk, unless they turn into, you know, supreme evil, you know, cackling from the moon, threatening to blow up the universe. I don't think that those people are going to make a blip. And so, you know, I guess... Are you it, saying that Elon Musk and Superman are of a piece? Because I think I would have to argue. No, I'm just that. trying to think of who today would people be studying 5,000 years from now? Well, let's look a thousand years ago. Uh, Henry II. Okay. Uh, Beatrice of... Uh, Be Be Beatrice of Beatrice. Beatrice. William the Great. Okay. There's a name that I know. Yeah. Uh, William of Poitiers, William, there's a lot of Williams. Well, yeah, it's pretty uh, common. The Will Archbishop I am. Archbishop of Canterbury. Yeah, yeah that's Will what, I am, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, hmm, there are Leif some people. Leif Erikson is a name that I see here. Okay, all right. And Leif, I think that, I think that you, ha you have to look at... But I'm talking about 5,000, I'm talking about 5,000 years ago. But you have to look at what Superman is and what Superman does. Superman has saved billions all around the galaxy. Just a hundred years in the future... Uh, for Superman in, you know, the, the 
21st century, Superman is revered as an almost godlike figure. Remember, Kamandi, one of the major religious symbols of Kamandi's right. time, which is, is Superman's only a few years costume. In the future, yeah, is Superman's suit. I feel like I understand your sentiment. I think that in the DC universe, trying to make that argument about Superman. It absolutely, the answer is going to be, yeah, Superman is that important in the DC universe, both in and out of but a textual So, But let me, let me ask you this, though. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, Superman important, but <laughs> at this point, would the, wouldn't the Legion of Superheroes be maybe more important then? Because that's a nearer history for the time that Anti-Lad is studying than, say, Superboy would you say that The Phantom Menace, which is from a nearer time, is a better movie than A New Hope? Uh, we're not talking about better. We're just talking about more relevant. Would you say that it's more relevant than A New Hope? Because people are still talking about A you New mean Hope Star and Wars? arguing about it. Yeah, I, I think Star yeah. Wars is probably more relevant. But I would think so that the Legion have probably done more. I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing because suddenly here's this kid who's studying his holotapes again Creepy future police state continues. Uh, by the way, we do need to talk about his head when we get a moment. <laughs> we will. We'll talk okay. about all the, the people of the future. In the future, we we all have giant heads, and they're all bald. That's just, uh, we've seen the Twilight Zone. We know how the future happens. That is how we're going to involve giant big penis heads. Yes. You, you said it, so I don't have to. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. And this is the part where I, don't, I, really, don't, I'm, I really don't like this issue. Because the kid's watching this and he's like, wait a minute, I'm watching these holotapes and it shows that Superboy wasn't qualified to become a member of the Legion of Superheroes. Father, how can this be? And his father's like looking at it and he goes, huh, this data has become corrupted. We must go fix this now before time is irrevocably damaged. uh, Irreconcilably damaged. Irrevocably damaged. And it's like, wait a minute, that's not... That's not how time works. Just because there's corrupt data, you know, there's a page missing from this book, therefore those events didn't happen, isn't how time works. And that's how they're kind of, unless I'm reading this wrong, there's a glitch in there. Someone has literally ripped a page out of the history book in this corrupted data. And the father is like, oh my gosh, unless we put back this page that's missing, Superboy will never have been a member of the Legion of Superheroes. And so, therefore, time is corrupted. So, if he's literally saying this, which then results in this huge time travel BS that goes on in this story, then that makes this story dumb. But if the father is saying, hey, whoever, uh, to the victors go the spoils, uh, he who who, uh, wins the, the battle writes history, right, his story. So, if they're saying that, oh, my gosh, if this data is not repaired then future people may not realize that Superboy was a was an important member of the Legion of Superheroes, and the, that's the reason why the Legion formed. I can see that as far as lost data, as lost information. There is so much lost information in our own worlds that we don't even know about that I could see that being the point of this story. But that doesn't seem to be the point of the story. It seems to be that the data has become corrupt, therefore history didn't happen that way. The rays that should have been scanning time actually warped time and altered a portion of the past. And is that is that what's happening? Because that's not how I how I read that. I read well, it as, oh, says. we've just got corrupt data here. That's what Dad actually says. Uh, the time stream scanning rays have warped it and altered a portion of the past. So it's, it's one of those stories where they've altered the past. And somehow the changes have not rippled forward yet. So Anti-Lad has to go back in time to try and figure it out. Now, I am not defending this story. This is not a good story. This is one of Carrie's boilerplates. And, oh, the real mystery is the friends we made along the way. And it doesn't make any sense before or after. But I feel like the whole time travel aspect of it, the you know, and he actually, Dad explains it, it's future Dad. Um, yeah. Father Father Penis Head explains that each domino is a century, and I shall push over dominoes. And I'm like, it's nice in the that... year seventy-seven thousand five hundred fifty-five, <laughs> you still have a box of dominoes. Yes, a box of dominoes in a crappy cardboard box that's falling apart. That says dominoes, but <laughs> by having dom- this discussion, he uh, he 
basically impels his son to go back in time and become the legionnaire that never was. What, 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 what? And instead of just going back and saying, Legionnaires, uh, the timeline has been corrupted. Superboy actually performed just just fine. I'm from the future. He does this huge shaggy dog tale about how he's using <laughs> technology to undo all of the Legion's powers, including, oh, look, I've got kryptonite on my boots because I went back to the time that you went to go recruit Superboy and I depowered him. Therefore, uh, all those tests you performed on him were wrong. Uh, therefore, you need to go back and you need to reoffer him the position again. Maybe you just tell him it was all a joke. And that's not even what happens here. It's just like, oh, well, I guess the test was corrupted. Therefore, we must accept this person as, as membership. That's also not how it works. How what works? How membership works. How anything, how science works. Oh, uh, the, the tests were invalidated. Therefore, this must be true. Just because somebody says something is true doesn't make it so. This is just a dumb story. And I like time travel stories. But this is the dumbest time travel story I have ever read. This is the thing. At the end, the Legionnaires realize that they have to go back and give Superboy another test. Do they, do they even it, go back and give him another test? Or are they just like, well, I guess no. that's it. I guess we just have to make him a member then. No, they say we have to go back and give Superboy another initiation test. And in theory... That's what we see in Adventure 247. But here's the thing about the one and only appearance of Anti-Lad. Thank God. It's not a good story. No, it's not. It it's a horrible story. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I feel like his skull in this issue is actually a meta-commentary by Mike Grell on the nature of this character. And I say that as a joke. And then you, you have to remember that Grell says flat out that uh, there are a couple of characters, Tyrock is one, mm -hmm. where he felt the concept was so dumb that he tried to make them look as stupid as possible. I feel like, even though you know a lot of characters in Silver Age DC have the big throbbing brain heads to indicate that you're from the future, yeah. I feel like he's literally saying, this man is a penis head. Is a dick. And <laughs> this story proves that he is a penis head. But... It's interesting. It's just not it's not good and it doesn't work as a story necessarily. It doesn't work dramatically. It doesn't work uh structurally. But I will say this, it has wonderful Mike Grell art. Yeah, they do make a point. I don't remember if it's in uh 204 or 205. They have a nice I don't it's a full page that says, "Hey everybody, let's meet Mike Grell." And yep. they do a little bio and a little interview with him. Uh, which I think, I think is really kind of cool. Yeah, I think that was really cool uh, that they did that. But, man, this... I mean, let me call down these meteorites, these small meteorites. They will hit <laughs> They will hit this kid in the back of the head and knock him out. Yes, small meteorites <laughs> the size of bullets, even the size of baseball, traveling at terminal velocity, will only stun anti-lad. Yes, only stun. Yes, let's go with that. Okay. Let's just tell Give people it. that it's going to stun okay. him when all of a sudden I, brain matter goes flying all over the place and Cosmic Boy's like, I, feel, I didn't do that. I feel like you're taking this a bit too far. I don't like the story either, but it's not something, you know, where I look at this and go, yep, Cosmic Boy's a murderer. I well, he's not, is, because Anti-Lad's powers uh, kick in and save him at the last minute, but to think that you can call down a meteorite from space, have it go <laughs> at terminal velocity and hit somebody upside the head, and it will only stun them, is just bad. He's magnetic. He's controlling the speed of this thing. And then why didn't he pick I up a pin off of somebody's desk and have it whack him up the head? Because it's not what happened. I don't know. This is the thing, though. It's not a good story. No. But it's not the worst legion story we've read even recently no no it's no just it's, it's definitely not work. the worst it's just one that is convoluted in a way yeah. to say hey kids did you know about anti-lad of course not because he doesn't exist in anyone's memory <laughs> and i can't remember who it was but one of the uh, one of the legion fans uh, that i interact with on twitter is it legion was very Omnicon? angry I don't remember, was very angry and said, you can take anti-lad off your list of legionnaires because he was never actually a member. I'm like, well, yeah, I suppose you can, but you also have to look at what this story is trying to do. This is a Carrie Bates, everything you know is wrong story. This is a story that flashes us back to the first appearance of the Legion and their first interactions with Superboy and does so in a way that it does a couple of things well. Um, I feel like it looks good. 
And it, even though it doesn't work very well, there's some nice action sequences in it where you're just like, oh, this is high fast-paced action, as long as I don't think about the fact that the story doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But you get to a point where you realize that all that this issue really does, all that it really does is prove that in the far future, people are creeps. They, they are time-peeping. He calls it time-peeping. I know, They're right? watching you. They could be watching you now from the future. Oh you could God, be culturally relevant. Yeah, I know. We both need to put on pants. But you could be culturally relevant, and they could be time-peeping on you right now. I'm, and, lining, I'm lining my bathroom with tinfoil right now. Uh, the tinfoil doesn't work. You have to use actual tin oh, because okay. aluminum just amplifies the brain waves. Oh, but, okay. Uh, I think that what it really comes down to, what it all boils down to, is that everything's going to be fine, fine, fine. And Anti-Lad is one of those moments where you're just like, I'm just going to move on to the second story in this issue. I'm going to move on, and it's going to be better. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out if this is even supposed to be, if this is even trying to be wish fulfillment. It's not a good mystery, so it's not a mystery. You think it's wish fulfillment? No, I'm asking, how would it be wish fulfillment? In that, uh, you know, some kid who's reading this comic book today is like, man, I sure wish I could have become a member of the Legion of Superheroes. And then here's a story of somebody in the future who uses time travel to kind of save the Legion and save Superman. Even though he is dismissed, he still has a point and he has a purpose. And that means you two reader who has this wish fulfillment of being as cool as Superman or being Superman's pal, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny on the spot there in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, you too can have uh, some fantastic adventures and save the day. And nobody has to know. It kind of goes back to, I don't know. So there's that wish fulfillment thing. But then the whole uh, aspect of um, I don't want anybody to know what I did kind of thing also goes back to, and I forget if it was Simon or Schuster, when they were coming up with the identity of the secret identity of Superman. And we've talked about this. I don't know if it was on Legion Clubhouse or if it was in another show. Uh, But one of them in their biography was like, oh, they just love the idea of this secret identity because he always wanted to have this identity where he could be himself around people and then he could switch into his secret identity and find out how all the girls thought about him. It was really kind of creepy. But this is kind of that this is kind of that same way. I don't know. This is just I don't want to think this is I don't want to put too much thought into this story because this is really not good. And I don't I don't know. It just feels it feels rushed. It feels not thought out. It doesn't feel well planned. No, it's not. And it's and it's so bad. It's so bad, Matthew, that it breaks (laughs) Brainiac's brain and he has to quit the Legion of Superheroes. I think that it's one of those, hey, here's an impossible artifact stories. Yeah. And then it bends over too far back and it literally does break Brainy's brain because in the second story. Now, this is the other thing that I find very fascinating. This is the, I think, second issue now where we end up with multiple Legion of Superheroes stories. And in this case, we have two of them that are that are new stories, which I find very, very cool. I do like the fact that this is giving us multiple stories because the first story really features the Legion founders right. and a little bit of Brainiac. Uh-huh. The second story features a lot of Brainiac and less Supergirl than you might think uh, because it's it's interesting to me. And this is something that, that strikes me at the very beginning of this story. Is it the Star cool, cool up, daddy-o? Cool up, Steven. <laughs> Cool up. We're hip kids for the future. So relax, brother. Uh, Preacher slang is so weird. When does interlack interlack become the language where they start dropping in the the, the fake curse words and that kind of stuff? When does interlack start to replace? Okay. So So the late 70s. We won't won't actually be too far uh, in the future, honestly, I want to say it's the late seventies, early eighties when we start actually seeing the interlac language. I mean, they have actually, they are speaking interlac, right? Of course. We yes. said that, but we don't see the actual interlac texts or we don't see the interlac, uh, alphabet for another couple of years. Yet. And also the, uh, future speak also really doesn't, I mean, they're trying to do future speak here with cool up daddy but they do a little bit of it, yeah. But it's really but they don't work. quite fall into the you know the Greif Sprock yes, exactly kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. The Greif and Sprock stuff comes in the late eighties, yeah. yeah, and yeah, it yeah. Co- it comes from around, 
I think it rolls around about the same time as, you know, Blade Runner mm-hmm. and other stories of the future where you're like, hey, things in the future, people are going to talk different, daddy-o. So this is, this issue has, the story has a few problems as well. This is a, this is a better story. It is a better story, but it is like super creepy, like super, super creepy. First of all, again, just because you have two arms and two legs and a head doesn't mean you're human, especially when you come from a different planet and you are of the, what is he of the, uh, the Vril, uh, no, no, he is the, um. He's from Kolu. Yeah, he's he's a colon, Kulin. He's a Koluan. He's a Koluan. You, you drink him with Kaluan. some. You drink him with some vodka he and some a, heavy he's cream. Not a colon. Colons are different. <laughs> well, and so they keep going on saying. So I wonder, do they refer to? Do they refer to Chameleon Boy as human? I don't remember them ever referring to Chameleon Boy as human. They certainly make a point of 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 saying that Brainiac is human. And this is like the second or third time that they have said, Brainiac, you're just a human and your brain needs rest or whatever. And it's just like, oh, that's really weird that that they're framing it that way. Yeah, the, I think the phrase is poorly chosen because saying you're only human to someone who's not from Earth, unless you're saying human as in humanoid shape, which is entirely Maybe? possible. Maybe. And, and I know we've had this conversation before, but I'm just trying to think if they've ever referred to Chameleon Boy as human. And if they haven't, then that really shows the xenophobia of of uh, the future, which, again. Becomes a big story point in the future as well. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, the, the, the xenophobia of the of future. The, the treatment of the Durlins becomes a subplot that actually crops up a lot. But yeah, I don't know. This story is interesting in that it does try to give us a very human brainiac, a brainiac who's suffering from sleep deprivation, having some emotional disturbances, feeling weird and off his game, and constantly focused on Supergirl. And this is something else that happens in this issue that fascinates me. He's like, I can't get my mind off of Supergirl, even though it's been years since she joined us on a mission. Supergirl was here holding hands with Brainiac four issues ago. Yeah, in the big wedding spread. Yeah, if and if they had said, oh, well, Supergirl was back for a minute and now I'm totally smitten and obsessed with her, that'd be one thing. But this issue makes a big deal of how she's never around and she has been around for so long. She was just here. How can you be nostalgic for a little while ago? Yeah, so I wonder and I would love to see the notes or the actual script for this story because it could just be Carrie Bates just writing off. And at the wedding, everyone is there, including uh, other teams that have appeared in the book. And so Mike Grell doing the art is like, well, Supergirl's a member of the Legion of Superheroes. Of course she would be there. If Superboy's going to be there, I will draw her in. And oh, Brainiac and Supergirl have this kind of relationship thing going on. I will make them hand in hand. And by yep. the time the issue gets printed and Carrie Bates has, reads it, this story is already done into the printers. Oh, Carrie doesn't read issues. Also, speaking of Supergirl... When I was many years ago doing the Legion of Superheroes Hero Histories yes. at Majorspoilers.com, uh-huh. go check them out. Yep. Um, I came to an important realization, and this is the issue that I looked and looked and looked for this at the time and couldn't find it. This is the issue where it happens. In this issue, we are introduced to the fact that Brainiac is a member of the Legion before Superboy. Yeah, we've talked about this before, right? Because the right. only way for Supergirl to be as young as she is and be a member would be to have joined after Superman was an adult, but therefore because she is already a member, it, right. crazy time travel, timey wimey shenanigans. Supergirl joined the Legion before Superboy. Right. Canonically because of this issue. Right. And that to me is one of those moments that I think people forget because people send, tend to treat it as Supergirl joined like 7th or 11th or whatever it is because yeah. they treat Superboy as the fourth member of the team. And this issue clearly outright openly states that that is not the case. However, Supergirl in this issue is wearing the best Supergirl costume, which is... It is that is, weird 70s costume. It is hot pants. Hot pants, yeah. With the big the big bell sleeve blouse. She has the Izod S symbol, but she has standard issue notched Superman boots instead of the 
ballet slippers that she wore for a while and a red choker necklace. It's the best Supergirl suit drawn by Mike Grell. And it really saves the fact that in this story, Brainiac 5 turns into a creepy, creepy stalker who invents the real doll. Yeah, no. Um, also, just kind of go back, maybe some of the confusion about who joined first, Supergirl or Superboy, is because in that final panel of the Legion of Superheroes, uh, that issue where the first appearance of the Legion of Superheroes, uh, that final panel has somebody in the original issue... Right. There is somebody who could be Brainiac 5, but he is not green. Later reprints then have him green. Yep, actually recolor him as green, yeah. indicating that he is Brainiac 5. There are several Legionnaires who pop up in the very end of that Adventure 247. Yeah. Go back to episode one, you'll hear us talk about yep, it. Yep, yep, yep. So this issue has the return of Supergirl uh, mm. in a couple of different ways, but the thing <laughs> is that Brainiac uh, 5 and who is it, Ultra Boy? Starboy. Starboy are going on vacation because they need some time off. And so they go to the Pleasure Planet. And there's one thing that I know from watching my uh, Westworlds and seeing Star Trek episodes and seeing, you know, like Isaac Asimov stories is anytime you go somewhere to rest and relax, that's the time where trouble is going to happen. And Supergirl shows up and she and Brainiac just start like making out. And I've yep. said this before, either it's Carrie Bates or Mike Grell or both of them are super horny in the 70s. And we've <laughs> talked about this weird uh, swinger kind of mentality, the sexiness of the 70s starting to, to seep into uh, comic books. Because if you look at the, the, the shot of Supergirl and Brainiac 5 making out, you could go yeah. to any romance book of the day, and I would highly encourage people to follow Pulp Librarian on Twitter because whoever's running that account, they run all sorts of fascinating stuff. They did um, a fascinating series on covers, pulp covers of romance books of women running away from Victorian houses. And so you get to see all this stuff, but this this making out scene feels like it is right off the cover of a steamy romance, like a Harlequin and romance book, because there is like moments away from tongue showing up in this open mouth embrace that's going on between these two. That's nice. And the thing is that Grell draws really attractive people, mm -hmm. really attractive teens. And this is, you know, we've, we've talked about it. You've talked about it incessantly about the perceived age of the Legionnaires. Right. And what people get up to, you know, when I went off to college, I moved into a co-ed dormitory and there was a lot of that sort of thing going on. That's the, a even alien, for me. And alien love doll romance. Yeah. Alien love doll romance was totally all over my dorm. <laughs> but if these, if these guys are meant to be, you know, 15 to 20 how, years old. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. How old were Carrie Bates and Mike Grell in 1974? Do you know Bates off the top young. of your head? Like how Bates young? Bates wasn't. He was another one of uh, Weisinger's uh, Wunderkinden. He was uh, born okay. in 1948. So he's what? He's not quite he's 20. 20. He's 20. No, he's 26. 22 or 23. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So 1948. You know, this is 1974, I yeah. think. And then Grell was born in 47. So he was only a year old. So they're older. about the same old. They're about mid 20s. Yeah. So, but I mean, and, I don't know. I'm not saying that these guys, I mean, I mean, I said these guys write and draw like they're super horny teenagers. Uh, but I mean, that's just, again, it goes back to the time period where this idea of free love and a casual sex, and believe me, I'm not a prude, uh, but it just is, this is pretty racy stuff for comic books that are, you know, comics are for kids, everybody. Um, well, but then, then Brainiac decides that he's just going to quit the Legion and run off with Supergirl until they get out into space. And suddenly Supergirl's like, oh, no, uh, deadly rays are going to kill us if I don't save you, Brainiac 5. Beep, boop, 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 beep. And then we find out that it wasn't actually Supergirl to begin with, but instead a lifelike robot that Brainiac 5 built in her right. image. And that's why he's been so tired lately. This is one of the issues, though. This is why this Legion era is so fondly remembered because there were a lot of teases here and there. I can think of three or four teases of, you know, Kara and Brainiac having going back to their first appearance together in adventure 267 or maybe action 276. One of those two books in any case, 
the idea of this Romeo and Juliet relationship of Brainiac's granddaughter and Superman's cousin has always been there. This is where it becomes a thing where Brainiac says, this is the first and only girl I've ever loved. And Supergirl, you know, well, the Supergirl robot is like, beep, boop, I love you. But then real (laughs) Supergirl shows up and she's like, yeah, let's try and make this work, baby. You're green and let's make out. And I'm like, okay, this is why people remember this Legion era because of the sexual revolution, because Mm -hmm. of the, you know, the horny teenage Legionnaires finding each other, getting in love, bouncy boy gets married, all of these things. Even Invisible Kid got his brief romance before he was unceremoniously and stupidly killed last issue. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting over that anytime soon. Anytime we mention the phrase invisible kid for the foreseeable future, it's going to be followed by Kama, who was unceremoniously killed for no reason. So you you have in your notes here, building mm -hmm. the model of the girl you're in love with is super creepy, even by 1974 standards. And I would agree with you, except that Stepford Wives is a book that had already been out. Stepford Wives is about a woman who moves into a community and all the women are just like, quote unquote, perfect. They worship their their husbands. And it turns out that the men in the neighborhood uh, have all been turning their wives into androids. Uh, it's right, supposed to be a you know comedy kind of bit in there as well. But then we also the original have... original book is satire. Yes, yes. But then in the Star Trek, we have Mud's Women. Mm-hmm. And like then we 10 all... years before this? Yeah. Uh, and we also have, um, what do, I mean, Fimbots are a, uh, Michael Myers, uh, uh, kind of thing, but we have had these, these robot women, uh, tropes pop up multiple times before. So seeing Brainiac five build a robot of his love interest. Creepy. It, yes, I agree with you. It is totally, totally creepy, but at the same time, this isn't like something that is out of left field. There's enough things running around in popular culture at this time that people would be familiar with and be aware of. I think by now we are already into Star Trek reruns by 74. So people would be familiar with Mud's women. Um, so I don't, I mean, yes, totally creepy, but I don't think that this is something that someone would pick up and go, this is really weird. I've never heard of anything like this before. Well, I don't know that it's weird, um, but I do think that it muds women ends with a clear metaphor that this is wrong and Harry is punished for his hubris. And yes. The original Stepford Wives is actually satire about, you know, moving to the suburbs and becoming a mindless drone, right. which is a, a common recurring theme in the 70s, the late 60s, early 70s. But right. It is still creepy. And even if you go and you look at, you know, things from 1974 that have a similar take, you know, I feel like this is this is the beginning of what would eventually become Brainiac Madness. This is where we see years and years and years from now Brainiac 5 flipping out and having his internal breakdown and everything being wrong. Brainiac actually goes mad, literally goes mad several times in the history of the Legion. This is the first time that it's been treated as more than something as an external force messing with his head. This issue makes it seem like Quirrell has some deep-seated emotional issues, and they are messed up. And so does that go back to Brainiac is the Spock, and so they're not supposed to feel emotions, and here's Brainiac trying to deal with emotions of romance and love and sexual attraction competing with his logical mind of no, these kinds of things are distractions uh, and, and keep you from being the smartest person in the universe. I would say yes. And I feel like that is a a common science fiction theme is logic versus emotion, blah, blah, blah. But you also have to look at it as I feel like it's kind of a leveling effect. Superman has kryptonite to keep him from being too powerful. Right. Green Lantern can't affect anything yellow. <laughs> Brainiac 5 real... has women. Brainiac 5 has women and emotions. <laughs> I mean, this this is this is his kryptonite. His kryptonite is Supergirl. We see this after Supergirl's death in 86. Brainiac 5 kind of comes apart at the seams for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's because he internalizes so much of his emotions. And one of the brilliant things that you'll see in the Archie Legion is we meet Brainiac 4. And you know who Brainiac 4 is? A super hot statuesque blonde lady. Yeah. 
which makes it seem that Brainiac's attraction to your Laurel Gans and your Supergirls is this huge sub, you know, subverted Oedipus complex. Yeah. Because he can't, he he has never gotten past that. Emotionally, he's still a baby. He's still obsessed with mommy. And it works to kind of give this, this brilliant mind a weakness that kind of levels him down, gives him some meta metaphorically speaking feet of clay so i do have a question at the end of this issue Mm -hmm. um is supergirl in love with brainiac or not because it seems like her whole i'm going off to this college to discover myself so i don't have time for uh you know high school romances anymore it seems like that brush off doesn't i mean it just seems like she doesn't care for him Uh, doesn't love him as much maybe the feeling isn't mutual she immediately sticks her tongue down his throat. It's, it, or is it more like, I like you like a friend, Brainiac, but I just don't no. feel that way. I'm going to go off to college and meet someone new, and we're just not going to be together. I, it just it, The way that she just says, yes, I, I care for you, but I can't see you for a while, is that college brush off. And it just seems really that, weird and out of place. Look at that middle panel, though. Do you see the implication of a tear on her cheek? I guess she's she's sad that she can't be with Brainiac. She can if she wants to be. She's making this decision, uh, you know, through the mind of Carrie Bates, and she's upset about it. And they immediately kiss and they say, yes, we love each other, but it's going to be unrequited for now. It's that for now. I can't be with you right now. It's, you know, when you meet somebody in 12 years, she's going to die. Yeah, I can't be with you. Yeah, right no, it's, uh, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. That's all, I, that's all I'm going to say. It's just, she doesn't die for another 12 years. That's what I'm you saying. It. way ahead of yourself. And how, how often are they going to be together over those 12 years? Probably they not that often. They make out at least four more times. Oh, four more times. Oof. Oof. How many times do you make out when you were 19? 19? Ha! Quite a bit, actually. If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. So Superboy 205 has a segment at the end that I wanted to talk about, or it's actually in the middle of this book. Uh, The lore of the Legion. Did we not just have the lore of the Legion like an issue or two ago? We had the first half of the lore of the Legion. This is, remember, there's like 50 of them. This is the remainder. <laughs> 20, 25. Of the yeah. The, well, uh, less than that, because remember, Invisible Kid is dead since they made that count. Uh, too but soon, yes, dude. this is too the, soon. the rest of the lore. Okay. You get your Monel, your Element Lad, your Dream Girl, your Karate Kid, and then the new kids, your Wildfire and your Timberwolf and your Chemical King. So this is really finishing it off. And I find it interesting that we get these Cockrum figures for Monel and uh-huh. Element Lad. Yeah. And then we get to the dead and honorary members and it's all cut and paste from Kurt Swan. Uh-huh. And I'm like, did Dave quit before he drew these other characters? The answer is clearly yes. But it's interesting to me to see that they went to the trouble of making sure that we knew about the deceased Pharaoh lad and we knew about the honorary and uh, uh, reserve members. Yes, especially when this particular issue had a reserve member in it and it needed a little bit of explaining. But yeah, I just thought it was odd that we had to skip an entire issue again uh, by monthly uh, that, man, if you missed uh, if you missed four months ago, five months ago. You didn't get the first half of this of this series. Well, and that that will happen. This is comics. Things change. Superboy number two hundred five: The Legion of Super Executioners. Published November December nineteen seventy four. Written by Carrie Bates with art by Mike Grell. Synopsis: The Legion has gone mad. And the only hero who can save the world is Lana Lang? Superboy 205, it is another issue where we have a ton of stories just packed into this book. It is the second and final 100-page Super Spectacular Legion issue. Double-sized for double the price with like a thousand issues. I think it's like five times the size for double the price, but still. 
big issue with mostly reprints. Yeah, which, again, if you guys can get your hands on something like this, uh, Superboy 205, where you're reading this, it's a really it's really an eye-opener, because as I mentioned a couple of uh, Legion Clubhouse episodes ago, when we started reading these at the beginning, oh yeah, this is a product of the time, and, and art evolves naturally as the time period progresses. But then when you are looking at a 1974 Mike Grell story, followed up by a 1956 or 1962 story where everybody's wearing their medieval costumes and everything. It is just so jarring. It is so weird to look at. It is, it's, it's like if all of a sudden somebody put a uh, Superman mullet issue inside of a 100 page giant and you were just flipping through, flipping through reading a Superman comic. And then suddenly a mullet Superman story appears and you're like, Oh my God, that really looks weird. You know, 90s comics were certainly looked weird. Look at all those muscles. That guy has muscles that aren't even real muscles kind of things. That's how looking at the art in this issue feels like to me. Just, it's really jarring. You can definitely see the difference. And, you know, it's not as bad as it was last time because this is all Swan in the reprints. Yeah. And Swan's stuff was a little bit more modernistic than what we saw from, you know, Pap and some of the other guys. But... It, it definitely is interesting to see Kurt Swan side by side with Mike Grell, if only to see the change in sideburns <laughs> in the ensuing 10 years. Because if you look at the Kurt Swan stuff, everybody has sideburns right to the middle of their ear. Yep. And all the Grell sideburns go all the way down to the jawline and yeah. explode outward. Oh, it is. It is definitely. And that's what I'm saying is art reflects the time period. So if you go back into the 90s and you see Superman with a mullet. That's a reflection of the time period. A Superman or a Clark Kent with a ponytail. Reflection of the time period, right? Uh, today, you're going to look at art 10 years from now and look at the art of today, and you're going to say, wow, look at, the, look at the styles. We talked about this on a Why Major Spoilers podcast. Why so many extraneous lines on their costumes? Yeah, we talked about this on the Major Spoilers podcast when we looked at um, Ultimate Spider-Man, the first volume of that from Brian Michael Bendis and Marvel, and how the clothing style in that really looked odd, even though that was definitely the late night or the uh, early two thousands look that everyone was wearing at the time. And so, you know, comics are just like magazines, just like old television shows. They are a product of their day. And when you get to go back and look at those things and see how drastically different things were, uh, as far as fashion goes, it's, it's that interesting time capsule. Yep. But that's it's not definitely. what But that's not what's going on here. In fact, Superboy wants to give Lana a special present on her birthday. He even comes to her Stephen. No, he even says that. There is so much sexual innuendo in the first 3 yeah. pages of this issue. I it is just it's just like I don't know if this was intended or if this is one of those unintended consequences of writing stuff, but there is just so much in here that is like wow. Somebody is sitting there giggling their head off as they're writing this or as they're reading this and going, oh, yeah, I understand what he's really saying here or what she's really saying here or what the narrator is implying here. But it is just, oh, my goodness. It I is, don't know. I didn't it, get that. Yeah, it is. I'll, I'll After we're done, I'll go back and open up the pages and read them you to you. You didn't think I'd forget my favorite girlfriend's birthday, did you? Yeah, I've got my present right here for you, Super uh, for Lana. But he's going <sighs> to take her to the future, to the right. uh, biannual meeting of all the members of the Legion of Superheroes, which are supposed to include all of the honorary uh, members as well, which is surprising because Pete Ross does not show up. Right. But uh, Lana does. Uh, because yeah. she is a bee girl. Insect queen. Yes, she is definitely the insect queen of the bee girls. But suddenly, Ultra Boy has got the devil taken, taking his body over. Yep. They, they arrive to find the headquarters wrecked. And the Legionnaires are like, oh, it was terrible. Uh, Ultra Boy was here and it took five of us to overcome him. And look, through here, he's sitting here and he's all there. Oh, he looks really unpleasant. Yeah, and they do mention back in the old days, you know, Superboy, when you were a kid, there was a thing called demonic possession. And I was just like, oh, crap, they're inserting satanic panic back into comics again, which given this issue is rather interesting because, number one, 
Uh, Exorcist, the movie came out in 1973. We've talked about the Exorcist and its influences in the Legion of Superheroes in past episodes. But Exorcist in 1973 would still be in a lot of people's mind by the time this issue rolls around like eight months later, nine months later. Uh, So that would certainly be part of it. But I also find it interesting that this issue is the one that reprints um, the devil, the devil uh, story where they, where <laughs> they go back in and time. The devil's dozen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just found that really interesting that that was one of the reprinted stories talking about demonic possession. Yeah, that's uh, from Adventure 378. And of course, the two parter from Adventure 350 and 351 is also in here. But yeah, yeah. the demonic possession thing is actually a red herring. But it does allow you to go, Jonah's not here, Mrs. Torrance. Oh, I, 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 I like that the only way that you can save Jonah is through a bunch of water. Um, right. You, know, you have and to go it, back in time. Yeah, it's just, ah, uh, man, it's just really weird. Just for some, the first time Some religious in implications. History, and also for the first time in history, somebody yanks off Superboy's cape and Jim Croce told him, Jim Croce explicitly said, you don't do that. And you want to talk about your, you know, your cultural references. I think it would be right around this time that Jim Croce said, you do not tug on Superman's cape. Well, you also don't but, spit into the wind or pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger. And exactly. most importantly, you don't mess around with Jim. Correct. But Joe not only does all of those things, except for the Jim part, uh, he ties a knot in Superman's cape. Or as my grandmother always say, he yanks a knot in Superman's tail and leaves him tied up and escapes into the, the universe because he's mad. He's mad and angry, and he almost breaks free of Legion, uh, Legion uh, Brig, but he leaves Superboy unconscious, which I think may be the first time that we've ever seen Ultra Boy as really a physical threat. To yeah, they Super- did. They do say that now that he's powered up, now that he's uh, achieved level 9000, that he's right. actually more powerful than Superboy. And Superboy's like, nah, I can talk him down and then gets his clock cleaned just like that. Yes. But, but it turns out that knot is important. Yeah, because it's called a hoax knot. Mm-hmm. Because, dear friends, it's a Carrie Bates story and everything you know is wrong. Not only. Is Joe not possessed? Is Joe not mad? He's the only Legionnaire who isn't possessed and also mad. And as soon as Superboy goes off to find the magic uh, dust that he, that they the, need the magical to, holy water to save the uh, the Jonah and the whale uh, biblical right. reference, sure. The Legionnaires throw Lana in as well, and they're like, "Yep." We're going to we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill Ultra Boy. We're going to kill you dead. Why can't Lana be controlled? Is there something with her, you know, it oldie timey? It doesn't show us. Is it because she's from the oldie timey days and and her power and and um, the master can't control her? The master will be pleased. <laughs> no. Neither Superboy nor Lana show any in the influence of the master, which makes me think that the master may not be able to affect 20th century minds. That's what I was or, wondering, if they weren't evolved enough, enough to be controlled. Right. Either that or Carrie wasn't really paying attention at this point. I'm going to go with the second one. I am too. But I will say this. This issue has one of the more shocking sequences Is it in the one where history. It's the one where Mike Grell clearly outlines Lana's butt through her dress? No, that's just Mike Grell. Okay. It's the one where... Is it the one where they decide it's a great idea to build a super giant spaceship underground? It's the one where (laughs) Ultra Boy and Lana are tied to a pole and Ultra Boy has to wear uh, Foster Grants. Yeah. And the Legionnaires line up to murder them. And so they do. With their phasers set to stun? Their phasers. Now, here's the question. Why is Wildfire using a phaser? Uh, because he doesn't want to use his own NRG or ERG, apparently, that we're supposed to call him. No, his name is Wildfire now. He was <laughs> ERG earlier. I, I told you to stop doing that. I said, they're going to yell at you, Stephen. They're, they're all going to laugh at you. But no, you didn't listen to me. But anyway, Lana and Ultra Boy are dead. They are the dead, end. dead. The end. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Legion Clubhouse. Oh, wait a this minute. This is the last issue ever. Oh, wait um, a minute. Superboy knew something was up because of the hoax knot. He flew in at super speed, not disturbing any air, not disturbing any molecules because of how fast he's flying. 
Right. He absorbed most of the impact from everyone's phasers so that it only temporarily stunned at Jonah and Lana. And uh, so then they were able to go and beat everybody up. And uh, the master, you know, uh, Lana turns into Insect Queen. Actually, she just this off her is this the is this the first time? Is this the first time that Lana turns into Spider Woman, or if we had the Spider, this is the first appearance of Spider Woman conversation before? No, we've actually uh, had Lana as Insect Queen in previous issues. She was Insect Queen when she joined. I yes, don't but think she was, was she Insect Spider? Queen. But was she? Didn't didn't she ever turn into the Spider Woman? Yeah. Okay. She in turned those into previous a spider issues, and a beetle, and she turned into a bee. Okay. She usually has a bee, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because this time they they clearly call her out as Spider Woman. And I find that fascinating because Marvel uh, steals the Spider-Woman idea from DC Comics. And (laughs) Spider-Woman makes her first appearance in 1977. That is not true. It is. They call her Spider- steals the Spider-Woman idea. And then Marvel says, no, you can't do that. So Filmation turns their character into Web-Woman. Then Marvel steals the Spider-Woman idea from DC. There you go. But it all happens over the course of the next three years. It happens in like 78, 77 is the first appearance of Spider-Woman. Yeah. In comics. Yeah. 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 So, um, lots of shenanigans, lots of, Oh, all this stuff that happened in between panels. And then we meet perhaps the most ludicrous villain. I don't know if he's the most ludicrous. I I will honestly say he's he's goofy looking, but again, people from the future evolve and change and just because they're from a different place we shouldn't make fun of them although i will say that every every line that the master speaks in this issue i hear it in the skeletor voice i have controlled your teammates and now we are going to we've built a giant space arc we're going to abandon the earth and i'm going to have the legionnaires raise a new generation of heroes so now Let's, let's put a pin okay. in that for a second. Yes, let's come back to that in a minute. Because, we'll come back to that. Man, there are so many things to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack There's there, so much to unpack. The Master is a very skinny, knock-kneed man who somehow also has a beer belly and is this weird sickly yellow color, and he's using his uh, psionic, bionic powers to control the minds of everyone. And he's going to kill them all, and he controls Lana's mind and forces her to inject Joe with poison. Now, she, at this point, is half wasp. Yes. And so she is the devil. Yes. And I'm actually glad that she died several pages before because wasps are the devil. But she turns but, into Spider-Woman and bites him with non-venomous poison. Bye. Yes, she does not use any venom. She actually still has control of her brain enough to not kill Joe, thankfully. A non-poisonous wasp that would not be fatal, allowing Superboy to distract the master long enough for Joe to just snatch off his magic hat, his little Pope hat, and take it and go, ha ha, you have no powers. And everybody forgets everything, and the master is, is done away with. The master will be pleased. All right, so let's let's now go back. Oh, man. So the master's so plan, plan is he's is going to, to put... All of the Legion of Superhero members, only 23 of them or whatever there he's is at this point. He's going to kidnap 23 teenagers. No, it's, yes, he's going to kidnap 23 teenagers, take them take off them to a to faraway a planet, planet, and he's going to make them, them to force do them it. Force them to boink. I said it. I'm sorry. No, I mean, so the idea is okay. he's going to he's going to force them to have sex and, 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 and procreate, and in several generations he will have an army or a legion of superheroes under his control that he can then take over the universe with. That's that's not an evil plan. That's a fetish. I that, mean, is, that is some sort of so first of thing, all, I'm sure. In order to have enough people to take over the universe, there has to be a lot of baby-making going on, and it's going to take like 40 or 50 years to get, you know, two batches. You got Evolvo, lad. You got Chemical King. I Chemical guess. King will speed up the chemical reaction of aging. Okay, so here's the thing. Have you? Here, here's the thing that they should have put at the caption at the bottom of this uh, page. Have you figured out the problem with the master's plan? <laughs> okay. So question. Nobody has figured out the problem. Here, no, the there is literally plan. a problem with the master's plan. Ultra. Uh, let's see. Ultra Boy, his powers are not natural, correct? 
Right. Um, Phantom Girl, her powers are natural. Correct. Uh, Colossal Boy, his powers are natural. No, his powers are external. He was exposed to a meteor. Ah, okay. He was exposed to a meteor. How many of the Legion members come from planets like Triplicate Girl? Uh-huh. Come from She's planets where those powers are normal everyday powers. Let's see. Inherently powered legionnaires. Cosmic Boy. Yeah. Saturn Girl. Yeah. Phantom Girl. Yeah. Shadow Last. No, Shadow Last does not count because Shadow Last is empowered by magic gases in a cave. Uh, projectorous powers are magical and don't count. Let's see. Karate kids are all from training. Superboy, Monel. Yeah. Wildfires don't count. Uh, Timberwolves don't count. Lightning Lad and Lightning Lass or Light Lass don't count. Yeah. So the the vast majority of Legionnaires do not have powers that would theoretically pass down. But Although, at least this is a Bronze Age comic, so I mean. But at, I mean, yes. If you're going to do your what's that chart, uh, the four quadrant chart, where you're doing your hereditary chart. Um, yep. I mean, you could kind of work that out, but... Lamarck was right, man. Lamarck was totally right. Wouldn't it just be easier for the Master to go to these planets where people have these powers naturally and just mind control them? Okay. Here's the thing about this story in this issue, and really most Carrie Bates stories in this era. If you try to fix them, it just makes it so much worse. I mean, that sure. would be, no, that would be the, the better way. Cause the master could go to, uh, what is it? Uh, 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 Phantom was Phantom last Phantom girls planet. The Phantom girl, Phantom Phantom girls Phantom, dimension. Yeah. yeah. Phantom girls dimension and enslave a bunch of those people with his mind control powers. And then he would have, all, he wouldn't even have to wait six generations for them to build up enough, uh, proge- progeny to, to take over the world. He could just, you know, enslave 10,000 people. He could just go to, uh, 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 the, the, the Durlin world and capture all of the Durlins if he wanted. He could go to, he could go to, he could go to Saturn and get all the mind readers that he wanted. They're actually on Titan, but okay. So the art looks really good. (laughs) I just, I just, it's the dumbest plan. Kidnapping teenagers and forcing them to have sex. This, is just is dumb. This is a dumb plan, but you know what it is actually meant to be. This is a vehicle uh, for to Alana. show how awesome Ultra Boy's costume can look, oh. because Ultra Boy has never, and will never again look this good. I, I didn't get that from this issue at all. Ultra Boy looks amazing. The red and the orange and the green of his suit looks great. All of the proportions are interesting. His you know, and his Thunderbird is a little anemic, but it still looks really, really good. This, I think, is quintessential Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt? No. This is quintessential Ultra Boy moment. This is the greatest moment of Ultra Boy's visual career to date. If you say so, but uh, this story somewhat memorable in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, not not a good story, but... It is the last time that we see Lana uh, for about 80 issues, I think, until the, uh, God, it may be six years down the line. It's going to be quite a while. We won't see her again until they go back in time um, in the 270s, I think. So, you know, yeah, this may be the last time we actually see her with the Legion as Insect Queen. Well, you did talk about how Carrie Bates is trying to uh, write out Legion members who he doesn't care for. And the fact mm-hmm. that there is a significant um, lack of Pete Ross in this story um, leads me to believe that here he is saying, okay, uh, we have to have this Legion lore thing in here. I'm just going to start writing out these characters so that they don't have to appear again. And <laughs> here's Lana's swan song, and we made her one of the big heroes here. So now you guys don't have to deal with her for a long, 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 long time. There you go. We sadly have come to the end of another meeting of the Legion Clubhouse, but I think we have learned some important things today, Matthew. Yes, we've learned that in the 75th century, being a creep is apparently socially acceptable. I think we've also learned that the Master will be pleased with his plan, but nobody else will be. (laughs) And we've learned that sometimes good enough art can 
almost, but not quite overcome a story that just, 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 I, I just can't. We are busy, busy, busy working on future episodes of the Legion Clubhouse, and we would certainly appreciate your support. So if you have questions, you can email them to us at podcast at majorspoilers.com. You can hit, hit us up on Twitter at Mighty King Cobra for Matthew and at Major Spoilers, or even at Legion Clubhouse is the official Twitter handle for the Legion uh, Clubhouse uh, show. And of course, you can always go visit our Discord server and hang out with like-minded people there. We love each and every one of you who appreciates this show. And if you would, spread the good word. Let's get some more people listening to this show in the 2020s and uh, see if we can hit heights that the Legion never expected. So... Until next time, I'm kind of uncomfortable, man. And I'm anti-anti-lad. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.